Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers right here on the old podcast. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. That makes me Super Metal Brother Dan. Thanks for joining us. And quite the lovely night we're having here, Danny. The weather in here in Adelaide has been like top-notch, really. I reckon that cold and brooding long winter we've had has gone way and now so death metal is gone now the power metal and new generation has come sprung forth yeah it's amazing all my cd collection doesn't sound as poignant or as impressive now that it's sunny and like life's worth living again you know it kind of loses that effect all those behemoth records pretty much you actually put out the torch now not just because you had the torch because it was cold but you're also going to do things with that torch now that's gone and now a new life has come forward that is true but we want to acknowledge you guys for listening to us thanks so much for joining us this week we've got a lot in store for you we're going to talk about the Avenged Sevenfold album called The Stage. We're talking also about the crowdfunding saga, which has been blowing up over the internet over the mm. last week, hey, Danny? Yeah, man, yeah, full on. Yeah, our bands attacking each other, metal publication involved. We decided to throw our two cents in, so yeah, it's coming And we rough. also asked our general public as well, and again, they responded really well to this, so I'm guessing they've got a lot to say about it. But first, let's talk the news. Download Festival 2017 is going to be among us and it is rumoured to come to our shores here in Australia, probably the East Coast because like everyone hates Adelaide, right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, to be fair, like being around Europe, uh, coming from like Melbourne to Adelaide is like crossing four countries. So you understand why when people see the the, the time difference, like, no, no, we're, not, we're not flying our whole sets four hours. And to uh, rub uh, insults further to injury, we don't even allow flights to leave at 10. So once you're here past nine o'clock, you're pretty much here forever. Yeah, exactly right, man. Yeah, we lock you in because we, we have that. Was it leaving town tax? So you have, <laughs> which, like the Simpsons? Yeah, so AK, you got to buy in a hotel room and that's how you get around it. There's a leaving town tax. <laughs> but I don't wear puffy pants. <laughs> so, look, the room is obviously for the biggest and brightest metal acts that have been around for the last 30 years. So, in fact, they're not the uh, brightest. They're probably the oldest. But, you know, they're the most popularist. So, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, System of Down... You know, all the classics have been rumoured for it, Danny. Would that make for an impressive enough download festival? A little bit what Soundwave would do? Or are you here to see some bigger bands than that? Uh, I mean, for those, those dare I say, um, fair-weathered fans, nice way of putting it, yeah, they'll get them out in numbers because we all know that if the, if one of those fair-weathered bands doesn't come along, then the fans apparently don't rock up. It's, mm. it's pretty interesting how that works. So you need those just to have a good turnout. But I'd like to see other... Um, Medium level bands, so I call it mid range bands, be sweet. You know, I haven't seen Blind Guardian in South Australia yet. They only have a flight of Melbourne leave, so it'd be good to see them. Good to see more Australian bands as well. Normally, we could have like a stage dedicated to an Australian band if they come down. It also saves them shipping people down from overseas. That could help out. Yeah, I've I've only thought about as a selfish reason to go to the festival of seeing bands that just. You know that are at a high echelon in, in Europe, but just fall short of coming here. You know, bands like Scar Symmetry, Moore's Prince of a Mess, whatever happened to Darken, I don't know. But, uh, you know, the return of having a festival here and getting everyone excited, um, you know, sure, if they bring in some numbers, it makes for a good atmosphere, let alone, even if the band you feel like are just playing to you. And to be honest, if they're smaller bands do come, they pretty much have because of you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Corey Taylor's new book, how it discusses like how crazy America is right now. Danny, does it come to a point when a certain celebrity who's a musician, right, when they have an axe to grind about politics and stuff like that, 
do do we should we care as metal listeners or should we actually go to someone who you know would have studied at university for 12 to 20 years as a professor has got like you know research database chronologically critiqued all of his uh, peers and all of the the people that uh, have used his study or should we just listen to a guy who like screams into a microphone for about an hour every second night Ideally, you would like the first guy because he has credibility. But the second thing is that using guy credibility makes you feel dumb. So you'd rather yeah. hear a guy who's got no credibility yell shit out because that's what you'll be. Like when you talk to your mates about it, that's that's the level of intelligence you've got and the intelligence your friends got is like a musician level of intelligence. So it's just easy that way. It's probably, you probably understand what they have to say better. The irony is of this is that he's appealing to another redneck database because obviously you got the rednecks who are like, oh, America's the greatest thing in the world, rah, rah, rah. But he's coming from an angle where it's, America's what the worst thing in the world right now, rah, rah, rah. So they're both like these crazy fanatics right now. And it's like pretty much the same thing when you see metal sucks when they talk about how much they hate Donald Trump. But it's really like they're just another version of a redneck because they're just kind of patting themselves on the back going, oh my God, like Hillary's the best. And like, well, yeah. Donald Trump. So it's kind of like, I kind of get the same with the, the whole Corey Taylor thing where it's like, Maybe he's been in the bubble so long and Metal Sucks have just told him, yeah, you should definitely write a book and now he's gone and written it and now they're like, oh, we're such idiots. We shouldn't have done that. Now, I think Corey Taylor, he just sees Ryan and Wall and he actually is trying to really get himself into the next um, uh, occupation after his singing career falls. So, I mean, I mean, still not as strong as ever, but he's just, you know, getting to the market now. Why not? You know, become an author, become a journalist, get put on like a radio show. Oh, he, he doesn't have to worry about getting neck up. Oh, sorry. He doesn't have to worry about getting neck operations anymore. He can just worry about doing his own thing. So I guess, yeah, I guess you're right in that sense. Hey, Danny, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but the books are coming out to next July because, you know, they want to wait until after this election. They want to wait until what occurs and what happens and stuff. But if you just look at it, have you seen the length of the title of this book? The, the whole front page of a book jacket will be covered with the, name, the title of this book. It's shit. It's America Fifty One. Blah 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 blah. It's just it's it's a long title. If you're playing like um, categories and you need like a word with you know the letters T, there's probably like five of these in it. So you've just cleaned up in categories. So you're saying there's more like uh, ghost writers in this than there were actual ghosts in Scooby Doo and the Mystery Gang. That's true because there weren't any real ghosts. In <laughs> You never, you, never got, that. you never got to the end. You're too scared that uh, you can never see Oh, man, it's ghost. I thought the joke channel. of Ghostbusters would be too obvious. So I was kind of like, um, what else has ghosts in it? Oh, they didn't even have ghosts in it. <laughs> they, they had crooked property developers. That's what oh, they had. Oh, man, that's right. That's right. Oh, like Donald Trump. Oh, wow. <laughs> Testament's Chuck Billy auditioned to replace Max Cavalier in Sepultura. I don't remember Chuck actually doing a hell of a lot of screaming. Is that probably why he didn't get the job? Or uh, are they just racist, Danny? What do you think? No, uh, depends what you read. I, don't th- I won't play the race card. <laughs> well, they're Brazilian, so they're already a minority enough, so they can't yeah, be racist, can that's, they? That's right, yeah. They're, we don't want an American <laughs> taking one of our jobs. <laughs> if social justice has taught us anything, as long as you consider yourself lower in the table, you can be racist going upwards, but you can't yeah, be racist right. going downwards. That's right. You, you can swim so, up, you can't swim so down. So where do Brazilians sit across from, um, uh, was Native it, Native Americans? Americans. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> I think we're the similar brothers, not the Super social justice brothers. Okay, one, one, like, <laughs> one is a Brazilian, they get their rainforest torn down, and one's Native American, they get their um, culture torn down. So, yeah. what's worth more? Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah, it was like the accident, you know, they're giving everyone malaria blankets or something, or uh, I don't know that much about the Brazilian history. Maybe that's how whitewashing, I can't even remember that. So, well, never mind. Go back to the boy. Apparently, like Chuck Billy, he tried out because he was finishing his contract with his current testament. Yeah. Um, he tried, did a bit of screaming, something like that, but... It didn't work out for the best, and even Chuck 
Billy thought it was probably best that the way it's turned out is the way it's turned out. So I guess in the end, everybody did well. Oh, yeah. When we heard some of those new songs from the latest Testament album, I mean, if you're a thrash metalhead, you're going to be excited by it. They are doing some really good things. And Eric Peterson is our guy, right? Yeah, I man. mean, Shame's not doing Dragon Lord at the moment. But, um, you know, he's still writing Killer Wrist, and we should re- really review that Testament album. Yeah, unfortunately, if Chuck Billy joined Sepultura, Sepultura could be like a Corn slash Testament cover band rather than just being a, a Corn Tart oh, cover band. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is previous true. stories on weeks gone by. What do we want to talk about here? I'm going to talk about Marty Friedman now. He's the official ambassador of the Jap- Japan Heritage and will appear at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. I've just like, wow. When I read the, the headline of the story, I thought we should just include it. And I didn't go ahead and read the rest of the article because I'm just like, awesome. You know, he deserves it. Uh, the guy can shred all the stuff he's doing Megadeth now and his own solo stuff. Um, he's an innovator. He's like, he's a guy who's getting recognized in that and he's getting it done. Yeah, so it's funny because he went to Spain, uh, Japan, sorry, and he kind of knew that's where his home was, and they knew they wanted him there because, like, they had just like propped him up. A little bit like what we do with uh, sporty celebrities, how we kind of steal them from other countries and say, "Oh yeah, they're totally Australian. They can't even speak the language yet." Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> my, yeah, my friend done well for like very guitarist, like of all things, a guitarist to go to like Japan and just dominate. Ah, good on him, man. They love it though. Like the Japanese love shred. I mean, look at baby metal for example. Even though that is an amalgamation of stealing from better writers and better, you know, session musos, they still feature big guitar solos and stuff like yeah. that. You know, um, X Japan where there's crazy like metal bands with shredding. So um, to see a metalhead though, really in such and such a prolific one to get that re- recognition he deserves, there's hope for everyone. Yeah, it'd be actually pretty cool. Hopefully he does the um. Uh, was it the score for the opening ceremony? It might make it a bit more dynamic and just wails out like the Olympic National Anthem and the Tokyo National Anthem. Maybe dynamic. You can ask his buddy Jeff Loomis to play. He did the record with him, you know what I mean? That'd be enough, Jeff Loomis. They could do all these straight. That'd be like porn for me. It'd be that'd like, actually, that'd be sweet. Imagine like every time they do like, you know, if someone's a gold medal and they do the National Anthem, you just have a guy like shredding everyone's National Anthems. That would be like awesome. Oh, that would be amazing. All you would need is like, a dragon, rainbows, more fire than the actual torch itself, and um, the most amazing Jap- uh, Olympics uh, slash download festival ever. Yeah, nearly. It kind of happened like not this uh, uh, disabled or Paralympic Games, but the Paralympic Games four years ago. ABC like showed the games, and they had the most hard rock and heaviest intro music I've ever heard for a TV show. And this was on like ABC. That was brutal, man. That was wicked. I kind of remember something like that. And you showed me, you couldn't believe how good it was. So you showed me, and I couldn't believe it was from the ABC. Like, yeah. they, I don't think, the heaviest metal they've got is on their microphones. I'm pretty sure that's made out of plastic these days. Yeah, so, yeah. there you go, right? We're going to talk to a Disturbed that performed on X Factor last night, Danny. Now, I said to everyone, or at least one person I remember, saying if they play The Sound of Silence, it doesn't count that they played it, because that's obviously a cover song. Well, and behold, they obviously played The Sound of Silence, because this thing is rocketing through the stratosphere. How many YouTube plays did you notice, Danny, the last time you checked? Well, I happened to catch that X Factor performance because like, I've always been happy to see a metal band or new new metal band. He, they won't admit it, but new metal band on yep. X Factor. Like, considering this band, this show never has hard rock or metal singers on a singing show, I find it quite interesting that they have this band. Anyway, side point. Hmm. But apparently, they're, they're saying 125 million views. That's, that's a lot, you know. It's a cover, right? And yeah. they are doing so better than they would with an original song that it kind of almost tells you the tale of metal right now that in order to connect with a mainstream audience, you need to connect with a mainstream song. And I don't think metal can do it right now on its own merrills, possibly. Now, that could be something to talk about, Matt, in the future. But it also goes back to last year when... um. 
Grammy Awards, they have the best metal performance of the Tokyo Metal Award. Oh. And Tenacious D won best metal performance with the cover of Last in Line from Dio. I was like, come on, seriously? You guys didn't even recognize Dio. Yeah, a cover of his gets recognized. I don't, so but our own metal community is guilty of the same thing. We reviewed Metal Hammer's Golden Gods Award, and literally it was a placate to the sponsors first, and yeah. then acknowledging actual metalheads uh, a second, sometimes distant, sometimes a little bit closer. So... Where where do we beat at Metalheads right now? I think we should definitely have a chat of that in a couple of weeks. Oh, controversial. A lot of controversy. But did you so did you see the performance? Did you see it on X Factor, Danny? I did. I, I watched the performance where I was doing a bit of research for our album review coming up later. And I don't know, they did, they did a really good job. They was he were, flat? No, nah, no, nah, I thought he was all right. No, nah, I thought he did a decent job. He actually had put a little more, I think his voice wasn't as powerful that night, so he couldn't really blast out as big as he had when we saw him live in Belgium. But he put a bit more emotion to it, and it was quite another thing to do good performance. What do you think Disturbed are doing on the X Factor? Like, oh, they're a metal band, right? Let's be first and foremost. How are they? Uh, is X Factor running the same label, you think? Or did they just do a performance so awesome that Iggy Azalea's like, oh, they just see me with my like black accent, but now I'm not some white chick. Uh, get them on stage. Like, it was a connection. How did this even happen? Like, uh, just- it has to be a label because they plugged the tour. So yeah. it's whoever whoever runs X Factor, and if, it, if it's a music label, TV show, the same people who run Disturbed's tour down here. So, well, I'm guessing because I, there is no real need for it. I mean, again, I know it's a big song, but Slipknot have done a what Slipknot Psychosocial's done like 80 million views on YouTube, something ridiculously high. Yet mm. they've toured recently. They haven't been on X Factor, so I have feelings the label. Yeah, it's got that commercial sound. They know that the song has gotten... Because it's been on Triple M. That song is actually done really yeah, well. Number one in the Aries or something. You know? And it's it's, it's good because I like to see a metal band up in amongst it, but I would love to see a band of metal value. Like we were in the 90s, man, when we were singing on video hits and Channel V, your Metallica's, Pantera's, and your Sepultura's and that. They were making it, but since the last 20 years, obviously... The money is on the kids, and they and they're buying pop records. They're buying the pop singles. That's actually so. pretty good though, as well, because now the kids aren't really buying the albums; they're streaming it. So we've actually had quite a few metal albums in like the top ten, top twenty of the areas. That's true. Because all these young kids, they don't buy records, so therefore, on a technicality, the only ones buying albums technically are metalheads. <laughs> so I think like Devin Townsend was top ten. I think like Opeth made top ten. Uh, yeah, I think there's a couple which been making top ten on the areas because metalheads still want to buy albums. So. That's great. The more you buy it, the more um, they have to be under limelight. That's true. Maybe the way it's been going, we'll talk about that in the middle of the segment. But let's finish it off our news stories with Metallica James Hetfield. Now, funny story, he actually was doing an interview with some guys uh, on a uh, journalist website. Um, they were talking about Metallica shirts. And he was talking about how uh, celebrities wearing Metallica shirts. And uh, I guess the one that my favorite definitely is Kim Kardashian looks like Kanye West in drag. That's pretty good. Amazing. Like, honestly, it almost restored my faith in Mataya again. Like, maybe I should go out and buy the latest, <laughs> the latest album. I mean, like, he's just making fun of people who would have paid way more for those shirts than they're obviously worth. Yeah, he's um, he's pretty cool because he kind of relates the age of the people to the shirts they're wearing. And he's like, there's no way that guy would know that band or there's no way that guy would know that album. So, yeah, yeah you know, he, he, he does... It posts a bit of fun. We also pretty diplomatic not to get too personal because in the end, you really don't know if they are fans. It's really hard to tell. What was funny because you mentioned about Avril Lavigne and um, there was a... This was hilarious. I remember watching this in high school where they had a Metallica tribute show where they had Metallica in the audience and they had bands who were influenced by Metallica play Metallica songs. So... 
And I don't think he remembered that because he wasn't too sure if Ella Levine was a fan or not. But she played a song off Load for him. So, like, wow, he must be really drugged up, man. Like, you through that scene because um, there was that. But apart from that, yeah, you're right. There were a lot of people there that wouldn't be. In fact, I'm gonna t- I'll tell you guys a funny story. I was in a, um, I was shopping the other day in a retail store and uh, I saw a girl wearing an Iron Maiden shirt, right? And I asked her, wow, that's a really, that's a really sick shirt, Iron Maiden. And she's like, oh, who are they? I'm like, oh, right. And as you can understand, this girl was wearing all denim. You know, she was, her makeup was done better than people were in like, you know, she was obviously took very good care of herself, but the fashion, literally. So she goes, I got given it. I thought it looked like cool because she saw obviously like Kim Kardashian in that wear it. So the fashion, but she didn't know who Iron Maiden was. And I said, well, yeah, it's it's like Bruce Dickinson. So who cares anyway? But if he was wearing, she was wearing a (laughs) Neville shirt, I would have been offended. I'd have been like, wow, no wonder domestic violence is so high these days. Shirt right off, man. You didn't deserve this. (laughs) It's right there with a bra and stuff. Like, what did you do that for? Oh, yeah, that's that's obvious. That's obvious, man. Yeah. But that same thing happened when I was at um, some uh, store and they'll say like an Eddie Bobblehead. And I went to the last one on that. Eddie Bobblehead. She goes, which one? That one. It was the ugly one. I was like, what's wrong with you, women? Didn't your dad teach you anything? You know, nah, that's suppressed childhood, man. That's like that is that's child abuse. That's child abuse. Yeah, not, not, yeah. You know, how are you raising your kids? Oh, uh, they should put them in jail. Honestly, it's like they need they need to go to a class and they're subjected to good music. You know, I'd love this. I'd love that to happen. So. Let's move on to our editorial piece. Now, the editorial for today, which we actually talked about on our page, Super Metal Bros, at, on the Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Super Metal Bro, without the S. And we asked our fans on that, uh, crowdfunding. You know, crowdfunding for bands, though. We had before, obviously, crowdfunding wasn't a new thing. We've had people that start up an account where they wanted to get maybe a, a movie idea into it or a video game or a, or, or an idea for a cake that with a recipe that people just thought a joke was too funny not to put money into right yeah or a ch- chairless table yeah so you have to stand around a table it's yeah it's a bit weird but that's what they want but this one's about bands and should they or shouldn't they argument now it was not only just that argument itself that piqued our interest but there was a rebuttal to it that caused another rebuttal to it that really piqued our interest right and i think we should go into that first and then we'll go into what the fans think okay mm. so it all started when a legion actually had a band page and they actually uploaded it pretty much and I'll just summarize it for you they're almost completely bankrupt after eight years and four albums into this thing you know touring and all that um, they had nowhere else to turn they saw two options either they, they call it a day and that was really sad from they didn't want to see that or they see this as their last passion of hope in order to continue what they're doing, knowing there's a job there. So then all the guys who are doing part-time jobs or working on farms or whatever could then know that uh, they had stability in their life and they could concentrate on their music. Now, this actually caught the ear of white lung vocalist Mish Barbawa, and she went to basically the town on him. Her, her tone was very aggressive. You know, where I thought the tone from Allegiant seemed sincere and it seemed like that was a genuine attempt to re-establish it she saw it as poor management and um the use of of a driver and stuff like that poor mismanagement of funds okay now the biggest point though that she said was it's a use of guilt to get entitlement from money right this then got trey xavier an independent guy for um another metal publication to write in response to her and he said you know it's more more of a tip jar you don't see it as a way of doing it uh, even though they can see a way of guilting it out of it, this is for them, you know, a way of not selling out their integrity and going to a corporation, for example, like Pepsi, or going, you know, getting uh, money in some other way, shape, or form. This is keeping the integrity of the band intact because the fans who love their music get to fund that and hear music inside of that context, right? 
So, should we go into the fans, Danny, or do you want to say something first? Oh, we're going to the fans, so then we can put our two bob at the end there, mate. Okay, so firstly, we've got Matthew Owen, who thinks that crowdfunding is okay, right? Uh, you go the hard yards of establishing yourself, you got together, you wrote songs, played the stuff out, you know, then you can ask for money to do stuff. So, a band has really established himself, okay? Uh, Laurie McLaughlin agrees with Trey Xavier. In fact, thank you for Laurie McLaughlin for uh, sending me that uh, article, because this was one of the reasons why we did it. Daniel Cedarblad from Octanix says it's elite. It is legal. It's not wrong. Touring expenses are borderline life-ruining. If you don't have some hefty sponsorship or commercial crowdfunding or serious grants, you know, so that's that's true. And he's obviously from a band, you know, so he really understands that. And a lot of times I find with the guys who own bands, really sympathize with the Legion, okay? Adam Blacksmith said, if more people were left in the house to watch bands and bought their albums instead of masturbating on the internet, uh, bands would need to do crowdfunding. But technology is the new rock and roll. A gold album wasn't what million or something. Now it's two fingers in the bottom to go platinum. Sorry, I've forgotten the actual figures. Uh, yeah, jerking off does have negative repercussions because when you're w- watching illegal porn, you could be like buying legal music. Yeah, actually, like originally, what that girl from that Tiger commercial break says in her language, she says, "Why can't we do both?" Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, some we have two do, hands. One hand can buy the record. One hand can. Um, well, Ramstein did it. That they did the porno to one of their songs in a film clip. So that's a good way of doing both. I mean, you're listening to metal and jerking off. I don't think you need to worry about life in an order. No, that's that's just well colliding, man. You gotta be careful because once that occurs, you don't want to see sunlight anymore. <laughs> I haven't seen the sun in days. <laughs> well, if your missus gets into a fight and holds her like vagina at Rams, it's like, you're not seeing any of this. I'm like, I don't even need that anymore. I got, got Ramstein porn. I got Ramstein. I don't need you. If only like uh, Nevermore got to bed there and did it. Oh, that'd be awesome. But anyway. Oh, like the new Jeff Loomis poster. Yeah. Nice <laughs> excited about that one. Two swords. Two swords oh. and chestless. Right. Jeff Loomis. Right. Uh, Much uh, man. If, if a poster could get an erection, it would poke me in the eye. That was amazing. <laughs> Uh, Andrew Hogue from Andrew Hogue Radio. You know I'm also from Triple J's uh, Hour of whatever that was at the time. Racket, Full Metal Racket now, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah he actually yeah. thinks me thinks so. So he sees it as a good thing as well. You know, he likes the idea of crowdfunding. Do you keep it short and simple? Yeah, look, we're going to have to get him on the show, I think, to get his yeah. actual honest maybe, opinion. Maybe it's my cutout. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can't hear you. What? Huh? Shit. <laughs> And last of all, Pete Mitchell, a band can and should do whatever it takes to get anywhere in the industry. If a band wanted to wash cars to raise money, no one would complain. Solely agree with that. It is an open market, is it not? But what do you want to say about it for, Danny? Oh, to be fair, look, I'll start with this white lung lady. She did make an, one, one fair point about mismanagement. Like this band, I struggled financially, but they also decided to hire a full-time driver to chauffeur around a place. Again, look, that is a fair point. If they're... If they strain financially, you don't need a, dr- a chauffeur to drive around. You can all take your own time and all, you know, switch around as a driver. So, look, I understand that sometimes night driving, you want someone to drive during night time, so you can't. All right, well, maybe your hands are tired, but you hope they'll be a bit smarter with their money. It's not just like, hey, you're throwing it away willy-nilly, actually a bit thinking about it. So, they could be poor managers. You might make a good point there. Um, second, it is a bit rich. You also was a recipient of a $90,000 grant from the Canadian government. So that, that's kind of like, like really? Did, did you did you remember that? It was one of those things, like, oh, I only remember things I need for my argument. The, the irony is of this is that taxpayers who are metalheads basically gave her money indirectly. So what's the difference? You know, she she would have gotten it from that way. So uh, she gets close to being a hypocrite, doesn't she? Well, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. But let's go to the point where she says, is using the threat to break up a way to use as extortion. Now, that could be true, right? 
because if the band does break up, then though they're, they're left with the thing of being really depressed and mm. they want to see it in fruition, but they don't want to put the burden on their friends and family. Mm. However, it keeps going and they don't see a result out of it. I guess what she said could be true, but this is an interesting point. Do you see that as a problem, Danny? It is, a, it is a bit of a hairy line, like you could say, argue moral line. But if they're just being truly honest and they're saying, look, this is, we had the end, this is what's going to occur. Like, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a threat if it's the truth. Like they're saying, if we don't get some sort of financial assistance, we will fall. Well, that's, that's the what's so. So you're not really, not really telling a lie there. Here's the thing. So I like what uh, Xavier had to say about this, which is a rebuttal to her, because it's kind of like when you go into a coffee shop and you see that tip jar for the guy making coffee. Like if, he, if that guy gives you a really good coffee and gives you your coffee on time every time and it's the best tasting coffee, you'd feel compelled to leave him a bit because if he said to you, I run on wage here, I run on tips, something would click on you because like in America, that is a problem. They have to do, their minimum wage is so low, they run on tips, you know? So there's that, right? Um, and the, the return on your investment, they would give you an album every two years. That's a solid return to your investment. If you're a fan like me, there's bands like Dimu who are like four years sometimes in between drinks and, you, and you're kind of like, whatever. And sometimes they promise, like with Old Man's Child, he promised another album and was like, yeah, it's coming. And they were never heard of anything again. So our Allegiant right now, Danny, in the right to say to do this uh, Patreon account, and is it the new way of metal musicians to go down? Yeah, it could be. I mean, Neo Neo Bliviscaris, Australian band, have done it, and I think that's been quite successful for them. I mean, that, that's what it is because you know you can't keep relying on releasing CDs to make money or releasing uh, merchandise to make money. So this is just a, another way for them to have a bit of an income stream. And this is you know this is you wanting your favorite band to succeed and keep going, so you're helping them get there. Just like you know your favorite uh, sports team, you know you become a member or you buy merch or you go to their games every week or con- you know, slash gigs if it's their music to keep sponsors to keep your favorite soccer team going or football team going. So I think it's a bit, of, a bit of the same, same, you know. Yeah, and the one thing that got me about this chick is that she was really just swinging for the fences because she even brought up feminism into the argument. That's what Allegiant were doing. I'm like, hold on, you can blame feminism on a lot of things, like you know, the inventation of a false ideology into something that doesn't exist, a bit like God called the patriarchal theory, or even like really bad dyed armpit hair. But you can't blame it on. Um, yeah, this is just a bunch of guys who are trying to establish a way yeah. in the market. So at, at the very worst, they might be manipulating fans to give them their money, but at the very best, they're actually going to give you a, even more albums even faster, even yeah. better material. Yeah, and, and yeah. so look, I, look she's going to be very careful because I don't know how she won her grant. If she won her grant as like a female scholarship or something, I don't know, then she should be very careful using the feminist card. If she won her scholarship because she's a very talented musician and she did it, fair, that's fair enough, but... Should be very careful playing the feminist car for. It really is no reason. It's just a bunch of like yeah, so bunch of dudes was, who want to make a living doing what they love. She, she, you could tell she got so fired up from talking about it. She was just bringing stuff into yeah. it. Like she was kind of like going grocery bags shopping at Coles. And it's your fault there's a whole nose in layer. And it's your fault the Paris Accord hasn't occurred. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm new here. I just pack things into bags. <laughs> and it's your fault America has that free healthcare. Uh, what is wrong with you, Legion? Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna back Legion. 100% of the way. You know, you guys do what you feel is right. Um, probably won't give you any money, unfortunately, because I don't really like your stuff. <laughs> we bought an album. <laughs> we bought, yeah, your, we bought, an album. We bought I bought two of your albums, guys, and I actually I enjoy it to a, to a degree, but uh, I do love your attitude to life, and I do love the way you guys go about with film clips and your general interviews and that. You seem very funny and charming, so even though I don't like you, I sure hope that someone else wants to sleep with you. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. On to Avenged Sevenfold, Danny, the latest album called The Stage. Now, these guys here aren't any strangers. They've been in the metal community for many, many years. And they, I mean, they've made 
music that have made it to Grand Theft Auto. You know, these guys are in the mainstream. They're big. They're hot. But is this album as good as the previous ones? We had Nightmare that was featuring Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, and people would just lavish it in praise, being a very heavier te- like progression from them, but they still take it very seriously. So we need to talk about the stage, Danny. Well, the stage, I mean, Stardust, if you heard us last week, it was actually quite an interesting release that they... It was like a spontaneous release. No one knew about it apart from themselves. All the people, I guess, who made the album and Chris Jericho, um, a wrestler slash podcast person like ourselves. Mm. Well, not the wrestling part, but... Part. <laughs> I've wrestled with myself mostly. All right, man. Settle down. <laughs> Something about that Jeff Loomis post, all right, man? Never. Yeah. Never. Uh, <laughs> it's just a shame that you're in the room with me right now. <laughs> That's probably the worst of it for you, not for me. I don't let nothing stop me. Yeah, so this is Avenue. They literally released it, and that's when you knew they were making it. So pretty much on the day... It's like, oh, it's out. Oh, wow. So, yeah, which would be at the moment uh, might be their downfall, but we'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. Sure. Because let's talk about the riffs, Danny. So, the riffs on this album, the guitarist is a slice of very lovely apple homemade pie. But did you like it? Yeah, no, look, uh, again, there's not too many money riffs throughout the album. There's a couple I really like, head banging, like rocking grooves, like seven and track seven, track one, they've got it. Um, the back, the drumming's very good as well. Backs up the guitar very nicely. Very, uh, hit very nice styles. Change it out when needed. Puts a bit of blast beat when need to. A bit of double kick when need. So, uh, yeah, both both the drum and bass do a really good. Um, I mean, the drum and guitars do a really good. Uh, yeah, really good work here. Yeah, what I love about the guitarist so much is that no matter what he's doing, he's giving quite a good amount of intensity towards it. But when he doesn't give the intensity, he gives a very good romantic feel. Now the guy's got a very good sense of melody, right? I find that he can put notes where they need to be when they want to be more romantic towards like angels, for example, right? Or even like uh, higher, you know, he can put all those lovely things in there to make you uh, leave with a memorable experience. His chordal progressions, like in the stage, for example, they're always good strong resolutions. Like you're always getting pulled along quite nicely. But then his solos are always exciting. No matter what track it is a solo on, they're never unnecessary wank. They're always like, you know, picks up the drums, might pick up as well with it. But uh, oh, they're just like, they sing. That's the most important thing. And a good guitarist needs to know is how to sing through your guitar. And uh, it might be hard to understand that, but uh, it touches you in places that uh, only a good solo guitar can. Yeah, no, he's he's a very good solo. I think that some of the strongest things of this album are his guitar solos. They, they fit nicely into the um, to the songs. They're not, they're not just like a bunch of wank. You know, some guitarists just love to see how fast they can play. I think Mousey's said... You know, when people say less is more, and the answer is no, more is more. So, uh, fair enough. So, that's his mentality. But this guy here, he knows, yeah, he knows when to like hold a note. He knows when to do a bit of a nice quick lick. And I think he's solely adds to songs rather than um, takes away from yeah, it. Yeah, so Zachary Vengeance, man. Uh, massive props, you know. Uh, it's very hard to give you this, the, the riffs and a download. Oh, however, I think I will note that this is a very kind of progressive outlet. There is a big stretch from what the very clean stuff to the very heavy and there is a, not as much heavy as I thought I would listen to from Revenge Sevenfold. Did you find the same, Danny? Yeah, definitely. From like I haven't heard too much of this stuff but from what I understand and some songs I have heard, you, they're more like a hard rock band but I guess this album here seems like a conceptual album, very progressive in nature so it explains probably why there's not so many heavy money making riffs because they're more about the feel and tone 
of the album. So yeah, yeah. Look, um, it's great though. You know, if you're an Avenged Sevenfold fan, there is nothing really to worry about because I think from what I've heard of the band's previous outlets, this is more of the same from the guys, but uh, a little bit more of a uh, stretch wild card. So let's move it on to the vocals. And then M Shadows, he goes by, or Matthew Charles Sanders, gives a very memorable performance and a got some parts in there which he's really going for it don't he? yeah i mean this guy's tone is great he's got that whole raspiness um bit of the whole disturbed kurt cobain feel in his singing so yeah that, that's a grunge 90s era some of that yeah. uh, sound garden kind of reminds me of it again another great singer as well yeah chris going now yeah. but you know, he does great like he i don't know why i said like that for <laughs> yeah. but i mean with this thing as well he, he's he does it quite well with he puts the raspiness knee, but he also does the clean vocals with the same registry. So it's actually very good. He can he can use a bit of both, which he does in the um I believe it was track six or track nine where he uh the yeah, same registry, same highness, but he can swing to the raspiness to yeah. go with the drums and with the guitars. So that's a good tool he can have with him. Yeah, like Paradigm, for example, which I really like is when the he gets to really stretch his vocals over it. But I think you're talking about Creating God, which, uh, yeah, it's more ch- chilled version of like a Protest to the Hero kind of song. But, um, yeah, it's a good head bopper and he is really going for it. I think for me, I would like to hear, and this is just like nitpicking. In fact, this might not even be nits on a jumper if you even consider it's a problem. But when those riffs are so heavy, I'd like to hear a, a almost grunt to a scream to carry some of those crazy section across, you know, because... It's, as a metalhead, I really love that. I love when when things go really dark and he takes it very dark with that aggressive tone because I get pulled with it. Mm. However, you know, his vocal performance is so strong. He's just gotten better and better and like a fine wine. You know, I'd have sex with it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, look at Gintley. He's a great range, great control. Even on the slow songs, he, actually, he does a quite good job of it. But he is a very simplistic singer in the sense that he's, he's a genuine hard rock singer where his ending of notes are pretty much that's it. There's no like, fancy like endings or little lifts at the end or little interval jumps at the end or whatever he pretty much just hits the notes where they need to be and his key is just to elongate notes to give a bit of a groove I, f- I find he's like classical influenced in that sense because even in this song certain songs they got this neoclassical influence from guys like Malmsteen and stuff with those like you know those shred sections like in the first track for example and towards the last uh, in the last track as well um, yeah so they're, they're talented that's the thing these guys know their influences and they know how to get the strongest part of their influences out of their own playing organically. Yeah. And he does do, in track one and track two, he does do a little scream in there to help break up a bit. Just just, just quickly, but it was enough to actually help with the song. But yeah. Well, it's like, oh, that's actually pretty decent. Why can't you do it more? But, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Because even when some of those parts, he got that sense. But again, um, you might not, uh, look, this band has done well because of it. Uh, so good on them for doing it. And Mr. Shadows, uh, yeah. Too easy. Let's move it on to diversity of the record first before we get into groove. Danny, this is a prog album, so I think diversity is is, uh, is definitely the way of going. But was it engaging for you? Uh, yeah, it's one of those yes and no things. Again, it, it depends on what mood you're in when you listen to it. Uh, I mean, there are long songs. I mean, the last song's 15 minutes. That's nearly a Nails album just in the one song. Look, it's actually a very good song. I think it's very like Rush-esque and the way they yeah. go about setting up. Uh, this, whole, this whole thing's conceptual thinking about human discovery and evolution and all that and you can tell the songs are quite good at it um yeah diversity is strong i guess a lot of songs are different however at one point the like tracks six seven eight and nine all have like slow intros and that kind of gets a bit same same so that's that that's that's something they maybe could have improved them a bit better yeah, no, I would say like the diversity of the records here it doesn't give you a sense of data in the sense that um 
because they do write quite clever. Like they, the, the way they approach their diversity is like they'll have like classical sections, metal, old like that classic '90s thrash metal kind of sections in there, and like I said, that grunge era comes comes into it as well, kicking and and uh, wailing along. So I wouldn't say that was the biggest problem. I would say certain st- songs do sound like a progressive album, which means to me is they're trying to tell a story. And they're trying to get the emotion of the story across more, but I like songs more because I never read lyrics. So I find myself going, uh, there's a refrain that they're repeating to to get a point across, but I don't really care because yeah. I like the way I like to listen to music. And this might be the same for my listeners. They might think, like, no, yeah, that's not that's not smart, but I'm not a very smart guy. Yeah. I'm, I will say, no, I like my music like I like my popcorn. Uh, very delicious and very much straight in my face. I don't like to like touch it and then rub it against me for 25 minutes like oh this has got a good texture for popcorn <laughs> yeah. what's the story behind this popcorn what was the African kid who picked this one out I don't care I don't like to feel guilty eating my popcorn alright <laughs> I like yeah, those people buy that fancy organic sea salt popcorn like, come on it's popcorn guys take it easy yeah so look again the diversity though I think for the fans would really know that it's just a bigger stretch and they would love it and um yeah, I, I get it. Like, they, and they're always good. They're always like the again the the, the when the melody's there and and the chords and stuff. They're always very strong. Even when it's cl- acoustic and that, it doesn't seem like contrived. It doesn't seem like it's like oh let's do an acoustic section now because I've wrote a chord behind it. No, it's, no, it's very deliberate and very yeah very central. Very yeah, like yeah. It. no definitely. And they, they do the good uh, similar things well. Like they do the tempo change. So again, similar to what we've heard other progressive bands do. They either like have the verses and pre-choruses build up and then the chorus is a bit of a slow breakdown to give a bit of difference or vice versa where the verse is a bit slower and the chorus is a bit heavier. So they, they do those things well. They break it up with a solo when need be, not all the time, which no. is good. Only when they feel like the solos require they do it. Um, songs end differently. They start differently. A bit of white noise is there. So you do have the different instruments put in place and different instruments a bit more profound than others. So the singing changes, as we mentioned, the drumming you know, you go from blast beats to double kick, so that's there as well. Mm. So, no, there, there is enough going on in this album. Uh, yeah, there is. Diversity. So, no, so we've done that. Sorry, so we're going to talk about Groove right now. So, does this album do make you feel dang, or is it too much diversity to the point of that you can't really because you always think they're always trying to do something new and different in order to tell a story where it's kind of like taking away a bit from the experience as a whole of getting into a rock and tune? How'd you find it? Did it give you a bit of a bop on the head or did it do much for you? Yeah, I mean, the parts when it, it gets heavy and, dare I say, groovy, yeah, you really get into it. Again, they're, they're not uh, large in number, uh, those parts. They, again, they're going for that whole progressive slow feel. But uh, I feel most of the time I did get the feel across. I didn't get, the, they, they just they end things too quickly. A lot of times they do repeat the same type of verse and or chorus throughout even like long songs. They do keep coming back to them so you can keep getting reminded of of that feel and being reminded and so you can get into the groove. But no, look, uh, yeah, most of the times I thought they, they, they it was the feel was there. So, yeah, I thought they did a, a good job of it. Yeah, I think they've been doing this for a while now and knowing the quality of musicianship from every single member of this band is they know how to write a good song. So that hasn't been a problem for it and the grooves are there generally. Again, I think... I would like it to get into the earlier stuff now. That's what a good thing about the album, which I must admit, is that it wants me to get into finding what Avenged Sevenfold albums for me, because I feel like these guys are good at doing that kind of stuff. They're writing albums for different kind of turns, and they take it very seriously, which I actually did read from Mr. Shadows. He actually went on to, I think, Team Rock and discussed that. But uh, again, yeah, look, let's just wrap this bad boy up with the production, Danny. And I guess more importantly is... 
did the album sound pretty good to you? Was the production values quite good and organic, or was it a little bit uh, a little bit too clean? What was your impression of it? Yeah, I mean, you might argue it's a bit too clean, but I like the subtleties in their production. They're very clever to use like strings if needed to create the feel of the song. Um, how the last track is very like progressive and how it ends is it always keeps building up the drum beat and the guitar riff and it keeps making it faster, faster pace and that's and they have the guy talking very profoundly over it. It, it marries it up quite well because like you know we keep evolving, we keep going, we get faster, 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 we keep like go fast, fast, and that ends. Um, when the first the album first starts, it starts with a nice like organ, dun, kind of like how like an opera starts or like trying to set the tone of like this is uh, you, mm. you're gonna be coming for a ride. So I think they're they're very clever with the the other small instruments and other small things you put in there to start. Even with the song higher, I think again it starts with like a bit of an orc, uh, uh like a piano sound and stuff again to make it sound like it's a bit of a uh, celestial feel to the song so look i think the production mm. they're, they're very clever with the subtleties i would like to have seen them for songs like angel for example they actually kind of use i think a midi like a keyboard and stuff but i'd love to hear more of an orchestral arrangement for when they would do that um just a minor thing you know because uh i think it's quite beautiful i uh, i really respect these guys and uh, this album was a little daring for me because i gotta be honest um it's it's kind of like an album where it's gonna uh, like a lot of fans into it but uh, some might get scared up because they released such a heavy album beforehand that um you know it might uh, get people a little bit worried or something but um they do it quite well and uh the production values will be great because i find that these guys are all very good talented players and they just give a lot more human aspect to their playing it doesn't seem like it's been micromanaged it doesn't seem like someone's over their shoulder the whole time with production it just seems like look go for it have the most fun you can playing these parts and the best one we'll take is from that, you know? And uh, I think the philosophy going into it, everything about the philosophy is about writing a fun and engaging album and, and songs and, uh, and the reason why these guys are popular and I, and, I'll, and I will back this up. I can't believe it took me so long to get into these guys, but uh, we're finally there and uh, made me a fan of them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, on a side of production, the uh, book jacket, the writing is ridiculously small. I mean, oh, come they, on, I know guys. they try to save money on it, but you can't read the lyrics. What's the point of putting them in there? So that's a side thing. The other thing about, like, this bit of a side note about production is that it was there, like, written in everybody's contract that in the year 2016, you have to do a progressive album. Yeah, we've reviewed a lot of them, haven't we, Danny? We've got, we got Periphery, you got Devin Townsend, Opeth, this one. There's probably others out there. It's like, this is the year of progressive rock. It's like, this is oppressive hard rock metal, we even call it. Yeah, uh, we were lucky enough that, I would say for this, though, this is the strongest uh, pr- progressive metal I've reviewed so thus far. I, I really rate this. I mean, you could argue oh, Jira had progressive elements to it, but they're still a metal band through and through, you know, where these guys, a bit of hardcore, you could say, you know, you could you could argue where they, where they fit now because it's, the lines have been blurred even more to a, to a very thin, chalky paste. But, um, no, I... Uh, I, I, like the one thing, the biggest problem for them is that they market it incorrectly, eh, Danny? You got something to say about that? Yeah, it seems like they seem like they try a bit daring, a bit clever because they're, they're all tired of these bands doing these like three month long or big pushing for like new album releases and slowly drip feed uh, material as they come along to the album release and then that's get released and maybe sting, kill the sting a bit. So this one here, they thought, oh, we'll be, we'll be different and we'll just release on people's doorstep and see how they react to it. Um, again, good and bad again because people like hype because it gets them excited. Also, people can save a bit of money or plan their week a bit better. You know, I know it's just a CD, but still, people they are- they are too modest for their own good because they are at that echelon now where they they need it. They need the Michael Bay the shit out of this album. They <laughs> should have twenty weeks ago done like a note and then 
you know, just that logo come up. And then mm. people would have been like, oh my God, this is going to be the best album ever. They would have been rubbing the sandpaper on their genitals mm. faster than even I could do it without it. But um, it's, yeah, it was, a, hopefully for them, like they won't affect them too much and it will just mean that they're going to get onto it later because people are like, oh, Avengers everyone's got an album out. Oh, yeah. I better buy it. Because it's kind of affected the sales that I reckon as well. Like the first week aren't as strong as the previous album. It could, it could also be that maybe the song is being more progressive and longer in nature. Maybe some people switched off knowing that. Maybe people but, just love Portnoy that much. I don't think Oh, I know. <laughs> he was on F1 album, wasn't he? <laughs> he was, but... Um, Ah, uh, yeah, feel for the boys. You know, good albums, great times. Good, uh, good luck with the album, boys. And I can see this rating very high towards the end of the year. Danny, will it make the top ten? Well, we'll have to wait and see, though. I think it's actually come to the point now where we've reviewed more than ten albums. So yeah, yeah it, we have actually to, have it now. We actually have a legit top ten, which is good. So, like, say I've got like. Uh, my uncle's my favorite uncle. Uh, he's probably my top 10 favorite uncles, but I've only got five uncles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the next time it's to be announced. All right, well, uh, yeah, look, uh, would you uh, give this a strong recommendation, Danny? Who are you going to recommend this album for? Uh, yeah, people who like uh, pretty much hard progressive rock like Rush, uh, like King Crimson, people like that will probably enjoy this album. Um, probably Avenged Sevenfold fans will probably like it because yeah. they're probably at a point now where to their fans they could do no wrong. But they did good stuff. Even like if you like Gojira, you probably like this because it's um, mm. it's it, it's it's a different feel to Gojira. But again, it's that whole progressive, slow. We're trying to create a set of feel and mood, and I guess not environmental based, but more like um, I don't know, evolution based content. Yeah, I like to see like the, these guys do quite well, and I think they already have done very well. But uh, yeah, again, great album, guys. You know, um, had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun listening to it, and uh, yeah. I've been—it's been missing a lot of albums and reviews. Just having a good time with it. Yeah. So uh, good on them, and uh, we, I guess from there, Danny, we can uh, wrap a bow around this and uh, call it uh, another a fantastic episode. I reckon, man. I mean, that that there was a lot of listening to this adventure for seventy-three minutes worth. So we got through oh, it. Oh, that was a long one. I remember just like got into the end and like, wow, that fifteen-minute track and just being. But the whole time I was pretty engaged. So good on them for doing it. Yeah, I had to like drive up my driveway and listen to the end of the song. I think all of my neighbors thought I was crying in the car or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he coming out of the car for? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, uh, that was the end of our episode. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Super Metal Brother Matt for joining us tonight, and I guess Super Metal Brother Dan for extension of that. I always like to thank you, my brother Matt, for coming tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been great, guys. We're going to talk more about uh, the editorials and that now over the next couple of weeks. And we've got a couple that we brought up tonight. I'm sure they're going to make it. So if you want an album that you reviewed, please go ahead to our Facebook wall or our Twitter page and uh, hit us a, a thumbs up and uh, give us the album we want to hear. We've got In Flames coming up soon. That could be a good one, eh, Dan? Yeah, potentially. There's been a controversy around that as well. So, oh. Oh, we love controversy I love more a good album but uh, controversy will be enough to see us through so I'd like to thank you guys for listening so much tonight you could have been doing anything with your time but you decided to uh, sit here and get bored with the Super Metal Brothers and that means a lot to Super Metal Brother Matt um, and Super Metal Dan's very excited right now so uh, with that uh, I'm Super Metal Brother Matt and I'm Super Metal Brother Dan we have been the Super Metal Brothers we'll catch you guys next week and until then you stay amazing